welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Monday the 30th of October with me, Bernadette Anderko. Today, in addition to our market update and our usual Monday glimpse into all things technical with Mensor Pochinci, we're also joined by Luca Minozzi from our Next Generation research team, who's got some news on driverless cars, but more on that later. We're going to start the show now with the roundup of the markets news with Roman Canciani. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. So uh, let's start with what happened over the weekend, um, namely with Israel intensifying its war against Hamas. How is the current situation in the Middle East impacting financial markets? Well, the probability of it leading to a global financial rout or driving a significant surge in oil prices or triggering a major flight to safety is considered small, at least uh, based on market action over the weekend in the Middle East. Israel's main equity index even ended in the plus yesterday. Gold prices, on the other hand, have shown a jump, uh, crossing $2,000 an ounce for the first time since May. Uh, spot gold rose almost 2% into the close of trading on Friday. Uh, the yellow metal, seen as a safe haven by many, is now up uh, 9% since Hamas attacked Israel on, 7th, uh, on the 7th of October. Uh, this morning, however, gold is a little lower again, uh, just below $2,000 per ounce. Okay. Um, is there anything else to report with regard to Friday's trading action? Well, the S&P 500 has been experiencing another downturn on Friday, extending its slide from the July peak to more than 10%, uh, thus entering correction territory. The war fears and underwhelming corporate earnings performances have reduced investor appetites over the past days. More, more than two-thirds of the companies in the S&P 500 index are trading below their 200-day moving averages, which indicates widespread stock price pain. However, not everything is bad. Some stocks uh, note the positive trends. For instance, uh, Amazon.com and Intel both rallied on Friday following their earnings reports. Okay, let's uh, turn quickly to fixed income. Um, the latest US inflation figures and sentiment data were published on Friday. And according to what I read, the markets weren't impressed, right? Yes, you are absolutely right, Bernadette. Those figures hardly move the needle in terms of the current market narrative of no further rate hikes ahead in the US, uh, but yields to stay higher for longer. And this can also be seen in the US Treasury market, where yields across the whole curve have not moved that much lately. The 10-year uh, US Treasury's yield is a kind of stock around 485, while the more policy-dependent two-year yields have been trending down a little, currently at 503. Okay, so uh, you mentioned in the beginning that the markets in the Middle East haven't reacted strongly to the events in the Gaza Strip, but uh, what about Asia this morning? Well, while Australian, Japanese and Hong Kong equities are lower this morning, Chinese onshore stocks are rising for the fifth day in a row. This is probably because of rumours that the People's Bank of China is going to slash its reserve requirement ratio for banks by 25 basis points in the next two weeks to ease liquidity pressure and fund a last-minute rush of stimulus spending into year-end. Shanghai's CSI 300 was up about 0.7% on that news when I checked a few minutes ago. Okay, so um, let's turn to the week ahead then. It seems that once again, there's a lot to digest for markets. I mean, aside from keeping a close eye, obviously, on the conflict in the Middle East, we are expecting another Federal Reserve meeting in the US and on Friday, the October jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Absolutely. And even though we have a Fed meeting on a Wednesday where the market 
expects a no change decision uh, and quite a lot of job data to come in over the course of the week. Most analysts agree that the earnings season will remain front and center this week with Apple earnings to be reported on Thursday, the absolute highlight. And why is that? Well, markets are on tension hooks and uh, they look pretty shaky and Apple's revenues are expected to fall for a fourth straight quarter due to, to a slump in smartphone sales. The issue is that the company accounts for 7.2% of the S&P 500 index. So if the company disappoints again, the pressure on the overall index is likely to increase further. That's certainly going to be um, an interesting earnings release then. Um, I also saw that the US Treasury Department is going to release a new borrowing plan. Might that move markets too? Oh, yes, uh, you're absolutely right there. The US Treasury Department will announce its new borrowing plan just some hours ahead of the rate decision on Wednesday. There, they will reveal the extent to which the Treasury will ramp up sales of longer-term de debt to fund the widening budget deficit. A major concern for market participants who sent yields of such securities to highs not seen in 17 years over the past days and weeks. So it's likely that the news flow this week will actually set the stage for how markets trade into the year end. So that's it from me. Thank you so much for bringing us up to speed, Roman. So uh, now it's time to look at what the technical charts are telling us with our head of technical analysis, Mensur Pachinsi. Good morning, Mensur. Good morning, Bernadette. So um, we had Marcus Allensbach on the show on Friday, and amongst other things, he talked about why he believes bond yields will start coming down again after their recent surge. And obviously, we've heard the latest from Roman this morning. But what's your take on bond yields from a technical perspective? Yes, I mean, from a technical perspective, if you focus on the US markets and here the benchmark is a 10-year yield, basically, we can see it's still in an uptrend. So we still think the risk is still quite high that we go to 530, which is the long-term resistance. Nevertheless, uh, we've heard it before from Roman that we are seeing already some uh, divergences. So for example, the two-year yields are trading below their September highs. So this means if you compare this to the 10-year yield, basically in September, they traded around 440. So what we have seen here is basically a, a, a the yield curve uh, steepening a bit. And maybe there is here maybe already a signal that uh, we are reaching an end of this uh, steep uptrend in yields. Nevertheless, from a technical point of view, the levels to watch on the downside of the 10-year yield are at 480 and 440. If those levels were to break, then we could say from a technical point, yes, we are entering here a topping process in US yields. Okay, so does that would that be then good for risky assets? Well, um, it always depends. Of course, uh, if you look at, uh, at, uh, at the historic statistic, uh, the best of all times is when interest rates are declining and equities are rising. But of course, that is not a given. So uh, it all depends what happens to equities. And if you look at equities, basically, um, the S&P is now down almost 11% from the summer highs. Uh, sentiment is quite depressed. Investors are quite cautious. Investors have been selling equities, and uh, we've heard it from Roman before, a lot of stocks are in a downtrend. So the mood is quite bad, and uh, usually when the mood is bad, uh, most of the time the bad news is already priced in. So it means that uh, there could be a positive surprise on the upside for equities, yes. Okay, so that sounds good, because I know we have been hoping for a year-end rally, so that's, that's, that's still a possibility, even though we're already in, almost at November. Yes, it's still a possibility. So basically, the S&P fund has, has given back all its gains uh, from the summer. 
Uh, last week it um, it declined again, but nevertheless, what we saw last week is that the decline or the selling pressure was ebbing a bit. So, for example, the weeks did not make a new high. So maybe we are entering here a bottoming process. What is key to watch over the next uh, few trading days is that we get a broad-based rally. So, uh, in the sense that investors snap up all stocks and not only a handful of stocks or some mega trends but all stocks in order to confirm that there is a uh, strong and solid demand for equities into year-end. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, there's so many topics I could discuss with you, Mensa, but I think one more that I'd like to, to hit on is um, the dollar-yen. Um, obviously, that broke above 150 last week, which means that the yen set its low of 2023. Obviously, we've got a Bank of Japan Monetary Policy Committee meeting coming this week, but are the technical charts telling us anything about the likely direction of the yen from here? I mean, basically, the trend is still in talk, but we are approaching, of course, the highs of uh, 2022. So here, basically, a failure over the next few weeks to rise above 150, 180, 152 would indicate possibly a double top. So, of course, as you said, all eyes are on dollar-yen, and uh, we would be here watching this 152. And on the downside, we think the key level to watch is around 145. So if 145 were to break, then we would hear... Uh, need to uh, need to uh, think that uh, possibly we have seen a double top and the dollar yen has peaked, but for the time being, the uptrend remains intact. Okay, that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Mensa. It's always great to get your insights. Thank you, Bernadette. Well, future mobility is one of the next generation themes that our analysts are keen on, and electric vehicles are a component of that theme. Last week, California regulators revoked the license of a robo-taxi service um, after determining that its driverless cars are a dangerous menace. So we thought we'd get our next generation specialist, Luca Minozzi, to talk us through the news and its impact, if any, on our views. So uh, good morning, Luca. Good morning, Bernadette. Perhaps you could start, Luca, by quickly summarising what's happened for our listeners. Uh, yeah, sure, um, Bernadette. Uh, so Crew is a company that operates autonomous vehicles and which, as you said, is owned by General Motors. Um, so a major setback last Tuesday when the California Department of Motor Vehicles uh, suspended its license to operate in California. So this decision comes just a few months after the uh, company was granted the license uh, to basically charge for these robotaxi services and it was mostly triggered by uh, safety issues. Indeed, um, Cruise has been involved in several uh, major accidents, uh, including one which one of its uh, driver's uh, vehicles pretty much crashed into a fire truck, uh, one uh, when it blocked an ambulance, uh, thus uh, delaying the uh, care to the patient, and another one involving a pedestrian who was struck by 20 feet under the driver's uh, car before uh, the car stopped. Um, furthermore, uh, the company was accused to have intentionally hidden relevant information related to the accidents to uh, safeguard uh, its own interests. So as a consequence of these events, the company decided to suspend all of its robotaxi operations in California and other US cities while it will continue to test its uh, driverless cars. Okay, so what's your take on this news then? So despite the recent progress, uh, we believe that the autonomous driving industry still faces many uh, regulatory and technological challenges that pretty much need to be overcome before uh, the industry will be able to scale up their operations. 
On the uh, regulatory side, uh, despite autonomous vehicles tend to have a superior traffic uh, safety uh, track record, they are subject to really stringent uh, safety requirements, which expose them to uh, the scrutiny of the regulators and of the public opinion. On the technological side, uh, we are still far away from seeing fully autonomous vehicles on our roads. We recently published our view that level four autonomous cars will only be commercially available starting from 2035. Similar arguments hold true for the so-called robotaxi, which are the driverless taxi. And despite the fact that they benefit from a much simpler operating environment and have seen more traction in uh, recent years. So generally, we believe that our view is shared by the market as companies that are involved in developing autonomous driving solutions, like for example, General Motor, Aptiv or Alphabet are not pricing any value for their autonomous driving operations. However, uh, this is not always the case. And there are companies like Tesla, which benefit from a premium valuation based on their autonomous driving hopes. And so they might be exposed to price volatility as expectation around autonomous driving uh, fluctuate. Okay, so how does the news impact your outlook then for future mobility and perhaps uh, electric vehicles in particular? Uh, so in our view, autonomous driving should progress in tandem with electric vehicles by development, and, they, and we remain constructive overall on the future mobility team. However, investors should keep in mind that we are still at the inception of this transition and they should have a long-term horizon. Okay, thank you very much for sharing the news with us, Luca, and uh, providing your interpretation for what it means going forwards. As ever, it's fascinating to hear about the next generation themes. Thank you very much, Bernadette. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and you for listening. Don't forget to join me again tomorrow when I'll be back with more of our experts to guide you through what's moving markets and we'll have an update on those Q3 earnings. I wish you a great week ahead. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.